Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. the first episode of the Cryptid Chasers podcast. Uh, my name is Josh Grizzle and I will be your host and your guide into the world of the cryptid, the creepy, and the paranormal. Just to start off, I, you know, I want to talk about you know, where my interest from uh, cryptozoology stems from. It really started when I was a kid in uh, elementary school. I read a book by Roland Smith uh, called Cryptid Hunters and it was about these two uh, this brother and sister that, you know, their parents died and they went to live with their uncle. And then their uncle was a cryptozoologist and they would go around um, hunting Bigfoot and then even dinosaurs and stuff like that. So obviously that's a little out there. But that's kind of where the interest um, started for me. And I've really, I've just been interested ever since. I haven't had too many, well, really any incidents with the cryptids myself personally. Um, I did have a couple what I would say alien UFO type sightings, but nothing I can confirm for sure. And then, you know, I kind of like was just, it was kind of one of those things where you just kind of, oh, like there's a documentary on, let me watch that, that's kind of interesting type thing. Until um, December of last year, 2018, I went to Blue Ridge, Georgia with uh, my wife. And you may or may not know, but North Georgia... Uh, the mountains of North Georgia is kind of a hotbed for um, Bigfoot activity. And there's actually a museum there. It's called Expedition Bigfoot. Um, and it's essentially, it's the world's largest Bigfoot museum. They have all types of like recordings, pictures, even like fossil evidence and castings from footprints and everything like that. Um, so it's really, it's a really interesting experience. And it kind of, I guess, reignited my interest for, um, cryptozoology and things like that and so I really just want to start a podcast to share kind of share my interest and share stories that stick out to me and that I think are interesting eventually my hope would be to at some point even go like go up to North Georgia and do like a Bigfoot expedition something like that kind of um, go out there and try and try and do experience it myself I've been warned against that by people who have seen Bigfoot um, but you know, it's something that's always been an excitement for me, um, and, you know, it's it's really something that I would love to do, and I would love to take you guys along with it. Um, so if that's something you would like to see, let me know. Hopefully, once if the podcast takes off, that's something we can do, um, and I think it would be really interesting to um, have that experience um, and have you guys along with me. So for this first episode, I wanted to start out with a story that is... It's close to home, um, literally. It's probably about like 10 miles down the road. Um, and it's one that really was interesting to me because before I heard of this story, I really didn't know that we that there was a history of Bigfoot sightings in my area. 
Um, but apparently there is, and at the end, um, after we're done with this with this story, I'll share with you another story that my wife had that I had no idea about that she just decided to tell me one day as we were talking about this stuff, and it's pretty crazy. Um, so let's get right into it. So this story is off of the website for the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Um, I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. It's bfro.net. Um, essentially what they do is they are a group of, you know, scientists and cryptozoologists who, um, they gather reports from witnesses, like eyewitnesses that submit a report in to them and then they follow up with it. They, you know, reach out to the, the eyewitness. They classify, you know, is this actual story? Could it have been, you know, maybe they saw something, but maybe it could have been mistaken for something else. Um, and then they upload it to the website. You can search by state and county. So I actually found this one just by going to this website and, uh, I saw my county, um, on the list. So I was like, okay, well, let me check this out. I want to see what's going on. Um, so this, uh, story, um, the tagline is man recalls close encounter at dusk as a youth near Macon. Um, this is Macon, Georgia. Um, it's about the middle of the state. Um, this is where I live. You know, I've grown up around here, so finding out this was very interesting. So something to mention, the BFRO organizes, or classifies, I should say, their reports um, with classes A, B, C, and I think there's a class D. Um, so this report is listed as a class A. Um, what that means in, in their website is, um, just reading from the description here, Class A reports involve clear sightings in circumstances where misinterpretation or misidentification of other animals can be ruled out with greater confidence. Uh, for example, there are several footprint cases that are very well documented. These are considered Class A reports because misidentification of common animals can be confidently ruled out. Thus, the potential for misinterpretation is very low. Um, so essentially what's that, what that is saying is, this is a pretty believable story. Um, so I wanted to share this with you because I thought it was uh, very, very interesting. So um, the year on this is either 1956 or 1957. Um, happened in the summertime um, around here. And so I just want to read you the story um, that I have here, and we can kind of talk about it a little bit afterwards. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Um, so starting off, I haven't told this too often, but this is exactly what happened. Macon, Georgia. I was 10 or 11 years old, 1956 to 1957. My house was on a main highway with some homes scattered behind it, then miles of woods. My friends and I had been at the creek in the woods behind my house, maybe th uh, three quarters of a mile from my house. Um, it was getting dark, summer, and we were heading home. I was almost home. House was about 100 yards away. Not scared. Almost home. Never had heard of Bigfoot. Um, there was a gully to our right with a trail in the shallow end of the gully we used as a path. I heard a loud clumping sound coming toward us on the other side of the gully, swishing through the small pines coming down the path toward us. I thought it was a mule that had gotten out and I would try to catch it. This is how loud it sounded as it came toward us. Uh, when it came up on our side of the gully, I saw a large, ape-man-like hairy creature jogging toward us on the path on two legs. Needless to say, my friend and I didn't stay around for an extended look, maybe two to three seconds of observation, then we took off. Um, the creature was probably close to six or seven feet tall, and when we told our parents and playmates, we were the subject of much ridicule. That is until about a week or so later, when five or so of them were down at the creek damming it up. I wasn't with them as I no longer played in the woods, for good reason. 
Uh, well, they saw the thing. This was the middle of the day as they came running out of the woods, some of them crying they were so shaken. Uh, their parents called the sheriff, and he said it was probably a bear. It wasn't. Um, it was no hoax with someone in a suit. Something to mention, too, the field researcher um, by the name of Matt Pruitt, who did the follow-up investigation on this report, notated in his report, it is important to note that these events occurred before the modern Bigfoot media hype, and as such, the witness had no point of reference for the creature he'd seen. Over a decade later, the witness saw the Patterson-Gimlin film on television and was awestruck at the footage, particularly by the similarity of the film subject to the creature that he had encountered. It goes on to say, the encounter has had a long-lasting impact on the witness. During our conversation, he told me that a few years ago he had visited Yellowstone National Park, and during his visit had a close, harrowing encounter with one of the park's resident grizzly bears. As he put it, I remember that grizzly encounter as if it happened last month, but I remember the encounter with the creature over five decades ago as if it happened last night. So, obviously, this is something that he is uh, very, very shaken up about. And like I said, this happened maybe... Ooh, I want to say, like, maybe 10 miles away from from where I live now. And just the fact that something like that happened so close and I had no idea about it, I mean, was, was crazy to me. And like the researcher said, it was like 1956, 1957, that was before all this, the cryptozoology craze exploded and went everywhere. So there really is no point of reference. I mean, what reason would he have to lie about it in that case? I mean, I can't think of any other possible explanation for it. That's that story, but I want to follow it up with, like I was telling you earlier, the story that my wife shared with me after telling her about this. Um, and for some reason she had never shared it with me before, um, but later on she did tell it to me, so I just wanted to mention that. So this was probably about, I want to say probably about four years ago now, um, that this happened um, from, from the way she tells it. She was laying in her bed, she was asleep, and then all of a sudden she uh, was woken up to this extremely loud noise. It was outside uh, their house. They, they lived pretty close to, it's a wooded area. It's not, I mean, there's a lot of houses around there, but there's kind of like a wooded area in the middle of them, and this actually had, this is like two miles down the road, I mean, it's, it's extremely close. Um, it was the middle of the night, and she said what she heard, it sounded almost like a screaming snarl, I mean, it was a insane sounding noise from what she described, I mean, extremely loud, almost sounded like bears fighting, um, and we have some black bears around the area, but not that many, um, and I doubt it would be two in close proximity that would be fighting with each other, but that's how loud it was, I mean, and it was, she said it sounded like it was very close uh, to where she was at. So, obviously, uh, freaked out, she wakes her parents up, tells them what's going on, and her mom says it was probably just two deer fighting. So, they do have deer around their house, they see them all the time, but I've heard bucks fighting each other, and it's a pretty distinct sound. You hear the the antlers clanking, and you know they, you hear the noises they make. And from what she described, it did not sound anything like that. Um, from what she's saying, this was a very intense snarling, growling, yelling noise um, that she heard. So she went back to bed. They didn't really think anything of it. And then I want to say it was a few months to a year later. Her and her dad were outside um, doing some yard work. Uh, from what I understand, 
and she heard that same noise again in the woods behind their house. Obviously, she ran inside, because um, I would too, um, but her dad stayed outside, He's and he said he didn't see anything, but just from the way she described it, it doesn't sound like anything that I have ever heard, um, especially from a deer. <laughs> um, so that's my wife's close encounter story. I want to finish this inaugural episode off with another story that I came across. Um, it's actually on a part of I-75 that I have driven through a lot. Um, it's near the town of Cordill, Georgia, um, which is where my grandmother grew up, so I've gone down that way quite a bit. Um, so this is in Crisp County, and this happened in 2011. So there's not a whole lot of information given from the initial uh, reporter. Um, tagline for it is, Possible road crossing observed at dusk by a truck driver on I-75 south of Cordell. Um, and again, this is... Uh, so this is listed as a Class B port. Class B is considered incidents where a possible Sasquatch was observed at a great distance or in poor lighting conditions, and incidents in any other circumstance that did not afford a clear view of the subject are considered Class B reports. Uh, for example, credible reports where nothing was seen but distinct and characteristic sounds of Sasquatches were heard are always considered Class B reports and never Class A, even the most compelling sound-only cases. Uh, so it sounds like my wife's story would be considered a Class B case. Um, this is because the lack of visual element raises a much greater potential for a misidentification of the sounds. Um, Class B reports are not considered less credible or less important than Class A reports, both types are deemed credible enough by the BFRO to show to the public. So this story, while it's not a Class A report like the other one, is still considered to be very credible, um, and it's a pretty interesting story. Um, so the majority of the documentation on here is from the uh, investigator, whose name is Mike Familit. I probably pronounced that name wrong. Um, but I'll just read this to you because I think this is a pretty interesting one, and an interesting one to end our first episode on. He starts off saying, I spoke with the witness via phone conversation. On June 9th, after speaking with the witness, I find him both truthful and credible. The witness states he was driving on I-75 when an 8- to 9-foot creature crossed the highway in front of his vehicle. He says that it crossed approximately 100 to 150 yards in front of him. The creature was crossing from left to right, the left being a dense forest and the right being a pecan orchard. So I do kind of know that area, um, pretty rural area there. Uh, so the creature crossed a four-lane highway in six steps and cleared the median in one large stride. That's pretty crazy, because, I mean, if you go down I-75, it's a pretty wide highway, and that median is pretty wide, and for it to be able to clear the whole thing in one large stride, um, it had to be a very large creature. Um, he stated that the sighting happened at dusk in foggy conditions, which would be why it would be Class B. Um, there was a break in traffic, and there was one vehicle behind him who could have also witnessed the incident. After the creature crossed the highway, it jumped a six-foot-high fence by placing a hand on a post and lunging over it. Um, the witness stopped and pulled over on the side of the highway. He stated he has two spotlights in his truck. He grabbed one and directed the light into the area of where he saw it jump the fence. At that time, he saw a red-orange eye shine distal to the fence. At the time when he saw the eye shine, there was a low-pitched grunt which was heard. He states, it still makes the hair stand up just thinking about it. He observed the eye shine for 15 to 20 seconds, and then he knew he had to get out of there. Uh, being a fairly distant encounter, he could not describe the creature other than a bipedal subject 
covered in dark hair. It looked like a big, dark man. The witness initially reported the sightings to the BFRO after being referred to by a friend. He has told family members and friends only to be laughed at and called crazy. There were no broken down vehicles along the road. He states that this was not a misidentification and that a bear would not be able to bipedally function and move across the highway that this creature did. So that's the end of that story. But that is a crazy story, especially one, and again, that happened, that's probably 30, 45 minutes south of me. Um, like I said, I know the area where that happened. Um, and can you imagine it being nighttime, you're alone on the side of the road, and you hear that grunt sound, and you see those eyes staring back at you. And I mean, and we've all seen pictures of Bigfoot eyes, and they are haunting, <laughs> to say the least, but I can't imagine being by myself and seeing those eyes shining back at me. Uh, oof. Like you said, I, it will make the hairs on the back of your head stand up. And it makes me wonder what all truck drivers see, and maybe they don't say it because they don't want to be called crazy, because truck drivers, unfortunately, tend to get a, a an unfair stereotype to begin with so it makes me wonder you know do they avoid talking about it because they don't want anyone to think they're crazy but i mean driving by yourself alone you know through rural areas through the dark you know you drive at night and there might not be any other cars on the road i wonder how often they actually see things like this whether it be bigfoot ufo grays or anything like that like it i really am curious to kind of dive in and see what they say so i'm thinking the next episode i might do like a trucker only episode or find like trucker stories of things that they have seen or witnessed or heard um when they've been out on the road by themselves because i think that could be extremely interesting so that's going to do it for this first episode of the cryptid chasers podcast um please let me know what you think subscribe um hope for it to be on uh, itunes and on google play if it's only on itunes i'm working on google play but I, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen i hope you enjoyed it and um stick around and see what kind of what kind of trouble we can get into in the future so uh, that's gonna do it for me guys again my name is uh, josh and thank you for listening